time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hey, we, we have such a privilege. And my incredible Octavia was just up here, just kind of giving you guys a brief synopsis. But really, we are so privileged tonight, DSM and all of our DLA that are in the room as well. We're so privileged tonight. Hey, DLA, make some noise if you've enjoyed the teachings from the Sandifords all week long. Yeah, don't we love them? And so tonight, I'm going to ask you guys to just really dial in. We're going to end in a time of worship and response. But let me just tell you a little bit about Mr. Roy Sandiford, his beautiful bride. Miss Barbara is also on the front row as well. And she's been kind of leading the way in most of the teaching in DLA this week. She's an amazing woman of God, an amazing communicator as well. They've been in ministry over, well over 30 years. They've been with YWAM, Youth with the Mission, traveling across the nations, um, literally teaching young people, teaching older people, whatever, about the love of God and how to live in light of that. And so tonight you're going to hear an amazing word. But before you do, again, it was nine years ago, Octavia and I, we weren't even dating at the time. We were in Tyler, Texas, going through this program. Come on, all the Texans, get excited. Great. Okay. And so we were in Tyler, Texas, spending five months, spending five months just getting to know God better. And they were just so instrumental. They have been so instrumental in both of our lives and our walks with Christ and really discipled us and spoken some amazing things into our lives. And so we just wanted you guys to be able to receive from them tonight as well. And so I want you guys to really better than you ever have before. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to welcome uh, Mr. Roy Sander for tonight. Come on, let him hear you. Yeah. Are we on? And I forgot to I forgot to to mention they are from one of my favorite continents in the whole planet, which is Africa. Uh, they are South African, and so let's give it up for South Africa. All right, but they're American citizens now, so they're South African American. Whatever. The father's in the house. He really is. He really, really is. I'm excited in my own spirit. I'm speaking like this so that you can adjust to my voice. It's very foreign from yours. And as an African American, <laughs> that's, that's what I am. I'm from Africa. I'm in America. I'm an American citizen. I denounce South Africa. What am I? I'm an African American. Pinch me. I bleed American. (laughs) Anyway, tonight I want to speak about the Father. Right from the heart of the Father. And even as I have been preparing and thinking about it, coming through the back doors tonight... It's like it just struck me, and he started to change everything again. And you know what? When you listen to his voice and you're open to changes, remarkable things happen. And so tonight, I want to speak from the heart. 
And I want to say this right up front. We're all children. According to the Father, we're all children. So even as I speak to you, I'm speaking as a child of God, a son. You sons and daughters of the living God, if you've accepted Jesus into your life. That's important. There was a conference in heaven. The Father and the Son were talking. Very interesting. And the Son listened to his Father say, how much he wanted to communicate with mankind. And Jesus said, Father, because I love you so much and because you love me, I am prepared to go down and to be the representative to introduce people to you. And if it means I need to take on the sins of the world, I'll do it. I'll die so that I can demonstrate your love for everyone. Isn't that incredible? He gets such, let me say this, might sound crude, it's not meant to be, but he gets such a bum rap. Hear me. All the accusations that come against the Father. Unfair. If you are God and and you really care, how can you take these things away from me. How could you take my father or my mother? He never did it. And yet we bring those accusations against him. There are three elements. Father, mankind, and the enemy. And we tend to forget it. The father never ever wants to take anything from us. Hmm. And so the conference is over. Jesus comes to this earth. What does he do? He picks his disciples. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me daily. And so he gets these men and he separates them from the world and he instructs them. Then in John chapter 14, gentlemen, I want to give you just a little illustration. Here comes the father. Okay, here's the son. Anybody argue with me? Talk to the son. (laughs) In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Right? So the word of God goes out. It's proclaimed. Brandon preaches a fiery message. If you want to accept Jesus, come right now. Do I have somebody who will accept Jesus? Hallelujah. Yes, amen. Come up here, brother. Amen. And so he gets introduced to Jesus. Amen. (laughs) 
everyone stand up here. Okay. Listen. Very interesting, easy, simple illustration, but it's so profound. I shared it this morning, but it has even more meaning tonight. Here we get introduced to Jesus. Jesus, the son, is somebody like a brother. We can relate to him, he's on this level. He's peer group. But as soon as we move from Jesus to the father, we're moving to an authority figure. And many of you don't know how to relate to him as an authority figure because of what has happened to you in your own homes. He's a father. He's not God. He's come to introduce himself to you and say, here I am. I want you to know me. Thank you, gentlemen. So having said that, I wonder if you have quietly under your breath all verbalized this. I wish you'd get to know me. If you would spend a little bit of time with me and come to understand me, I'm sure your opinion of me will change. Can you identify with that? And that is precisely how the father feels. If only we would come and spend some time with him, we'd get to know him and our opinion of him would change. Because he loves us so much. Desperately. He's very aware that all of us have needs. You have physical, emotional, spiritual needs. But on top of that, you have heart needs. And many times the heart needs go just... Put aside. And they're not dealt with. Discarded. And unfortunately, that's where we need to understand that the father is very aware of the needs that you have. The one primary need is love. Everybody needs love. And I'm not talking about the worldly sense of that word. I'm talking about what comes from the Father, which we respect and honor one another. We appreciate one another. That's the love that he wants each one of us to feel. And I want to say this. We so appreciate the body here, the students. We have sensed such incredible respect and honoring. We don't see it very often and we want to commend you this body for it because where there's that kind of treatment that element where there's unity it causes the anointing of the father to come and descend you want revival cause that unity to be strengthened it comes through the weakest link and as we unite our hearts together so it's going to become manifest And so he's aware of your needs. He loves you. I know that our parents give us clothing. I had my dad say, well, you've got a roof over your head. You've got food in your belly. You've got a bed to sleep on. That's it. Really? My goodness. I don't know about that. 
My father died when I was five. My stepfather came in, very strong disciplinarian. And I never, ever had him reach out and give me any love whatsoever. It was always trying to perform for his acceptance. And I know some of you experience that as well, and you can identify with it. But I want you to go through a couple of things where love can be shared in different ways. And we need to experience it in different ways. First of all, through words. Well, when I say that, I mean words that build up your self-worth. Words that say, you're doing good. I appreciate you. I just love what you're doing. I like how you look. Words that aren't negative. There's so many negative words that we hear from other students, from students, that have been spoken into their lives, and it destroys your self-image. We're the ones that come, and we bring training and teaching on how, what is your self-image under the carpet, okay? Don't base your self-image on the standard of the world. It's not worth it. But when you see how much he loves you and he values you, he appreciates you, he wants your highest good, changes the picture. Would you agree? Okay. Because when we don't have words that commend us, words like I love you or I'm proud of you, the absence of these encouraging words have the same effect of negative words. Let me tell you, Proverbs 12 verse 18 says that reckless words are like a sword that pierce you. And you know what a sword does and how it pierces the side. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We need to be speaking positive words into each other's life. Because the Father's the one that wants to encourage us to encourage others. Would you agree? Sure. (laughs) My wife can tell you, I never ever heard, in 18 years, I never heard my father say once, I love you. It was so bad, and through my rebelliousness, that for 22 years we didn't speak to each other. But I... The story starts out bad, but let me tell you, it was a privilege when he was 85 to lead him to the Lord. Sure. After we prayed with him, he went and got baptized in water. At 85, he got himself a computer. Lord, have mercy on my soul. (laughs) I get an email from my dad. I'm excited. I've got an email from my father. Nothing on it. (laughs) Shelby knows what it's like because I've sent her emails like that too. (laughs) I'm not falling in his footsteps. I'm just letting you know I don't know how to work a computer. (laughs) So there was one. Then the second one came and I got more excited. Yes, yes. I'm getting a message from him. Nothing. Nada. What's going on here? 
Four messages later, he sends, I've got the message from him. But let me tell you, there was a determination on his behalf to reconnect father to son. Many years of separation. He gave, he, when I spoke to him after 22 years of separation, I'll never forget the conversation. He's 8,000 miles away. His wife had died. I had two sets of parents. Anyway, and so his wife died. And my son sent me an email, said, I think your father's wife died. And she had. So I said, okay, father, what do you want me to do about it? And he said, call him. Oh, Lord. The moment he answered the phone, I knew it was him. Because he always answered the phone one particular way. Hello, it's Andy Ford. Thank you. He was a Scotsman. And it was very hard to understand him. And so he said, I know that we haven't seen each other, but I have followed you for 22 years. I've watched your career. And the reason he said that was because when we were growing up as kids, he said, you will never amount to anything. You're dumb, you're stupid, you're a failure. But in that one sentence that day, he broke that of my life. And it connected us. And it was shortly after that that we went, flew to South Africa and led him to the Lord. Why have 22 years of separation? Why have a self-image that is, hits the carpet the whole time? We don't need that. The Father's heart is that you come to understand who you are in Him. That you have value. That He esteems you. He loves you and he has something for you to do. And so, words are meaningful. I know that the Father is never, ever scared to say to you, I love you. If we had to do a little test now, and we've we've done this in other places, if we had to bow our heads and I'd say, now Father, would you speak to us? I know that he would speak to many of you and say, I love you. Because a lot of you haven't heard the Father say that to you. And that's his heartbeat. I love you. I love you. Barbara brought it, spoke it over a microphone in the class. And that's his heartbeat. It's not something he does, it's something he is. All the time. And his love is not, his love that he showers on you is not based on performance. You cannot perform for acceptance. Romans 5 verse 8 says, while you were yet in your sin, Christ died for you. There's nothing you can do to earn or deserve it. The only way is to accept Jesus as your Savior. That little demonstration, Jesus being the way to the Father, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything that Jesus did replicated what the Father's like. The Father, Jesus, didn't like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He didn't like the religious leaders because it was religiosity. All puffed up with their own egos. But he reached out to the prostitutes, to the down and outs, the poor, the beggars, 
the ones who said, help me, to the blind, the lame. My goodness, what a father, what a dad. I don't know what your dad's like. No matter how good your dad is, he could never ever be the same as the heavenly father. He's wonderful. Okay, so that's one thing. Words. What about affection? The Father also created us to experience affection. He wants to wrap you up in his loving arms. And let me tell you, they are humongous. Do you understand that word? Ginormous? Humongous? Big? Big? Earth is his footstool? He's got big arms. He wants to embrace you. My wife said I need to take 10 minutes to explain this to you, but I'm going to try. In the world, you have two cultures. You have cold culture and warm culture. Do you understand that? Cold, warm. Okay. In the north, in, in Europe... And a lot of the, even in Canada, that side, up, it's a cold culture. It's considered a cold culture. In Britain, when you meet somebody, you go up to them and you say, Oh, how do you do? My name is Roy. And yours name is? It's what? Evan. Evan. Nice to meet you, old chap. (laughs) (laughs) But then when you go down to the the southern culture. <laughs> and you go down to South America. It's like, come here, Bubba. Just come here. How are you doing, buddy? Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm serious. Wouldn't you prefer the southern culture? Yeah. yeah, that's the father. He wants to embrace you and let you know that you're loved. Many of you are crying out to you saying, I want to, I want to experience that love, that affection. Oh my goodness, does he want to give it to you. More than you desire it. Oh goodness, let me get on. Running out of time. Yep. Okay. <laughs> What are you laughing at? <laughs> Amen. Okay. <laughs> Through meaningful time spent together. It's wonderful when somebody's prepared to spend time with you. Sit with you. When you have friends, you'll know a true friend when you can drive in a car and you don't have to say anything. They're there with you. And you know what? That's like the Father. He wants to bring us into a relationship with Jesus Christ where we have fellowship, where we share what's on our heart and he shares what is on his heart. He wants us to experience that wonderful time together. Many of us don't do it. Why? Because we see the Father as an authority figure, if we do something wrong, he's going to clout us. Do you understand clout? He's going to smack the tie out of you. He's not going to do that. He won't. 
He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to know how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. Hmm. Wow. I'm not going through scripture. But he's called us into fellowship with his son. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It's a fellowship where he wants us to come and sit on his lap. Communicate. Let him share what's on his heart. And let me tell you, what he shares is for your welfare. It's not for your destruction. It's to see you advance and grow and develop in him. Okay. I love this in, in the lost and found chapter of the Bible in Luke chapter 15. Three stories. But the one in particular is the prodigal son. You know how the young son went to his dad and said, Dad, give me my money. He, didn't, he wasn't going to wait for his dad to die. He said, give me my heritage. So his young son got the heritage and off he went and he squandered everything. Wasted his money. Ended up in a pigsty eating husks. And then he said, well, hey, wait a minute. I could do better in my dad's home than this. The interesting part of the story is that the father back at home was out looking for his son. He wasn't sitting in the house watching TV. He was out on the veranda looking out for his son. And it says in verse 20 of that chapter, when his son was a far way off, his father saw him. <coughs> Excuse me, and he ran to him. He didn't stand on the, on the porch and say, you're not coming into this house, boy. Right? You've had your chips finished. Move along. No. What did he do? He ran up to him, embraced him, kissed him, put his cloak on him, took him home and threw a party. That's the kind of intimacy and relationship he desires to have. Some are far away from the Lord. He wants you to come back to him. Some have taken inheritance. inheritance. Don't squander it. But the Father is there. He wants, he's waiting for you to come back so that he can wrap you up, put his cloak on you, ring on your finger, and let you know that he loves you. That's the Father. That's the one who we rail accusations at and say, how could you take my dad from me? How could you cause my brother to be sick? It's not the Father. These things happen to us. People get sick. Can't help it. It's not dad. He's got nothing to do with it. He doesn't want us sick. He wants us healthy. Significance and purpose. Every one of you has a purpose in life. And he has value placed on your life. Not based on what you can do or what you can't do. But because you're his son or his daughter. So he places a high value on you. A very high value. Yes, you're the pinnacle of his creation. Yes, he loves you as a son and a daughter. So it's not based on, on what we can accomplish. He created every one of us to have a purpose in life. Jeremiah 29. Some of you know these few verses very well. It says in verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. He has a plan and a purpose. Hope and a future. Not for destruction. 
Hey, the enemy is the one that wants to destroy you. Satan wants to take you out. He's the instigator. He's the initiator of fear. The Father wants faith instilled in all of our lives. Wants to see us rise up and say, yes, Dad, I want to lay hold of that. I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. Why? He's not going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. He's not going to say to you, now I'm going to send you to Africa. Africa? (laughs) There's a time in South Africa when they said, maybe God wants to send you to Russia. Russia. Hmm. Okay. And God started working my heart. And in 92, we took a team of 65 people to Russia. And in two and a half, two, 17 days, we led 5,000 people to the Lord. Sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, young people, in verse 13 of that, this portion that I'm reading, this is crucial. It's not coming to you on a platter. It's not just going to be given to you. It's very clear. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What's the father saying? He wants your heart. He's not setting it aside. He knows how important it is. And he wants to take your heart. He wants it to be supple, flexible in his hands. It's the anointing of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants to come and massage your heart in a way that it's so sensitive to His voice that you'll do what He shows you to do and then He gets the glory. He wants us to be productive. Right, let me get going quickly. Let me give you some lacks in life. There's some things that happen. When we in a family and we're growing up from 1 to 12, what we see in our daily experience in a family we think is normal. But once we get to 12 and we start meeting other kids on the block, things change. We start seeing the flaws in the family, some of the things that don't seem to be right. And I know that happens all over. So, flaws and faults. Let me give you a few. Parents that aren't there. Too busy with work or friends and interests. Critical. Expecting too much. Comparing you with another sibling or with somebody else. I know these things to be true because we train people and listen to students the whole time. Favoritism. You be considered the black sheep of the family. Your sister or your brother is more important. Now I want to say this very clearly, quickly. The father sees us all as favorites. In Romans chapter 2 verse 11 it says, There are no favorites with God. Why? He's not going to select one and elevate one above anybody else because that says he's biased. But he says that we're all his favorites. He loves each one of us the same, but differently. Because we're unique. And so he wants to meet us in our uniqueness. Okay. Favoritism, cruel or rejecting. Some parents can be cruel, reject us. I've had that, experienced it. But I'm so grateful to the Father that things have worked out right. Neglecting the needs in the family. 
And that certainly does happen. Not able to show love and affection. How many parents don't show that? They don't know how to do it. We can't blame parents because it's how they were brought up. They, all they're doing is emulating how they were brought up, raised. And so they're doing their best. So we can't point a finger at them. But what, what we can do is learn from the mistakes. Right. Learn how we can rectify it and not perpetuate it. Stop it. Break it. Okay. Not providing for the family or because of disability. Why am I giving this list? Well, let me tell you that all of these things distort the image of the Heavenly Father. We see Him. Like, if I had to go back over that list, we distort His image, we question His ability to be a loving and a caring Father. That's why we say, how could you do this to me? And so, the Father's in heaven and He's saying, He's just grieved by what, how we reflect onto Him what's happening down here. We're projecting it onto him and it's, it's not his problem he's given every one of us a free will we make choices we determine how we're going to live what we're going to do we're not robots we're not preconditioned and have this chip in our brain that says you have to do this at this time of the day no, rubbish he's given you a free will he's the least controlling person in the world He gives you options. If you do this, this is what will happen. You can go this way or you can go that way. He doesn't tell you you have to. But he gives you the option. So, there was a time when I didn't understand his character. And every time I did something wrong, I would have this feeling that he was God. Not Father, God was leaning out of the parapets of heaven with a two-by-four, and he's going, mm, He's not like that. That's how we see him in the natural. But he's not like that. You find one negative thing that the Father says in the Word of God, show me. There's not one negative thing that he has to say about you. I don't care where you are, what you've done, where you've been. What matters is how you perceive him now. What you do with that understanding. How you allow him to change you. Okay. So we left, we gave a a couple of pieces of paper to you. And on it we've given the scriptures. So that you can take it home and you can meditate on it yourself. For instance... This is what the Heavenly Father really is like. The first one, He loves you. He loves you as you are. And the more you allow yourself, you come into His presence and you attune yourself to His anointing and His Spirit, the more He changes you to conform more to His image. Doesn't matter how you begin, but how you end, that counts. So He loves you. He doesn't love you for one day or a week or a month. He says he loves you eternally. From now until the end. And through the end. There's Jeremiah 31 verse 3. He has compassion on us. He has concerns for your welfare. The things that offend you, hurt you. He has compassion on you. 
I haven't got all my notes. Okay. So, he cares for you. He has compassion on you. He delights in you. What does that mean? He takes great pleasure in you. He loves you that much. He dances in heaven over his children. When you're standing and you're worshiping the Lord and you're genuinely raising hands and you, you say, oh, come on, and you're just letting it go, letting it happen. It brings such joy to him. In the Old Testament, it says it's like a sweet savor to his nostrils. That fragrance that comes up, the fragrance of worship and intercession that reaches his throne. He says, I love my children. Look what they're doing. Wow. Exciting. Let me give you one or two more before we close. He cares for us. He really, really cares for us. There's scriptures. He gives us, it's, when he says he cares for us, he gives us serious attention. When you're in a place and you cry out to him for help, he will give it. Let me tell you a story of a, a missionary couple. They were in Asia, and at that time, they, as a couple, they crossed over from one country to another, and they didn't realize they'd gone over the border. There was no fence or anything, and they just crossed into this nation. And they were picked up by the police, and they were taken to jail. They didn't speak the language. They didn't understand what was happening to them. And they went before the judge the next day, and the judge condemned them to death. With that, this missionary couple were taken down to a shooting range. And you had all these armed guards, and they all marched down, and they lined up, and they put the two against the wall, and they were putting blindfolds on them. And the couple said to each other, I don't know what we've done. All we did was we came across this piece of ground. We walked onto the ground. We didn't know we were in another country. What's going on? Lord, what's happening? The instruction was given by the, the commander, and he said, get ready. Load, get ready. And as they were pointing their guns to shoot the missionary couple, a senior officer came running down the road, came down onto the shooting range, and he said, and he shouted, and he gave an instruction for them to stop, all in a different language that the missionary couple didn't understand. So they put their guns down, and that couple was taken off the firing range, and they were released. A year later, that couple was in Australia, and they were sharing from a platform like this, and there were two ladies in the congregation. They ran out the room, and they went and got a diary. And in the diary... They'd recorded the exact day, the exact time. They worked out the time difference between there and Asia, and they wrote down how they were interceding for that couple. Wow. They brought it in, obviously, into the congregation. They showed it, and people just said, Father, thank you for intervening in this. That's what he's like. And yet we accuse him. He's a wonderful dad. He loves us. If I can only pound that into you with so much energy and and passion, he loves you. He is not here to destroy you. He's here for your welfare. If you are earnest and you're honest before him, he says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, if any man comes to God, he must believe that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. 
And as we diligently seek him, he's going to be the one that responds and says, my son, my daughter, I'm going to do it for you. One last story. There was a time when Barbara went with our daughter to South Africa to have surgery because it was more economical to do it there than here. And I followed, flew over sometime later to meet and then fly back to America. They flew over on TWA, and TWA doesn't exist now, but at that time it was TWA. I flew over on Pan Am, met them, and we joined up. We flew to um, London, and there we were going to separate and go on to do different flights again. I was on Pan Am. They were on TWA. A lady took out, I, I wanted to be together. lady took our tickets, went and sorted the problem out. Two different airlines, remember? In those days they were a lot stricter. She came back, gave us the tickets and said, here you are, all three of you are on TWA. Why are you telling us that, Roy? Well, when we got to America and we landed, we heard that the Pan Am flight that I was scheduled to be on blew up over Scotland. Somebody intervened. I believe it was an angel of the Lord that came, sent to protect us and released us that way. He can do that for any one of you. Father can do it. You can have a look at this list. Go through it yourself. Look at the scriptures and see. Because the more you meditate on it, the more you realize how much he does care for you. Lastly, he is the only one that can take care of the emptiness, the void that is in our lives. Don't look for a boy, girls. Don't look for a girl, guys. They will not complete the void or the emptiness that is in our lives. It's like we have this huge bucket. And that love comes and it, goes, it almost goes through because there's a hole in the bottom. But when the love of the Father comes in, it's like it gets welded up. The love fills us. His love fills us and it overflows. He's the only one that can satisfy And he loves us. So, I believe he's in the house. And I wonder if the worship team could just come up. And if you guys, if you want to stand, I want to pray over you. Sorry, I'm looking at the time. Thank you. I just want us to not go out, but just let us worship for a moment. I want you, I really believe that the Father wants to come and envelop you in his love tonight. And I tried to go as fast as I could. And I know that he loves you desperately, more than you love him. As we worship, just want you to close your eyes. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would come and envelop each one in your love. That tonight, Lord, that it would be like a wonderful blanket 
that comes over each one. That there be a heightened sense of your anointing and your love. There come an awareness, Father. Oh, Father. Father. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.